coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Healthcare saw. Healthcare saw. Healthcare saw. Healthcare saw. Healthcare saw. All right. You, um, you know what? We should not be cheerleaders. Let's we just. Really shouldn't. I don't know. I, I don't know if that worked. And I've done some of that before, so I just gotta say uh, it's a bad showing from the possible cheerleader on the on the show. But all right, whatever. The point is, we are super hyped. We are here to discuss the healthcare saw. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzzsaw Movies, aka our special saw edition of Buzzdon Movies. I'm Teddy. I'm Matt. We are here to discuss Saw Six, also known at least to us, as the healthcare saw. The this healthcare one, saw. Healthcare saw. It's it's a lot of fun, this one. Um, it's really... Well, so we've discussed before how the Saw series likes to delve into the issues of the day. Um, it gets political <laughs> from time to time. But I would say that this one is the most, um, the most political... And the most time sensitive, at least for its time. This came out in 2009 at the height of the healthcare debate. And it really is all about health insurance and the health debate and all the topics that were being debated at the time. Right. It, Although it takes, it's, it's hard to call it the height anymore. Right now has been pretty much a height for a while again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it hasn't really tapered yeah. off, but this yeah. is. This it is like when did for a while, and then it sort of like came back. Yeah, we're we're still there, but this yeah. is like this is a watershed moment in the healthcare debate. I'm pretty sure I remember seeing this movie cited in several presidential debates. Um, but totally, you know, it's very important <laughs> like that. This movie takes a very clear stance on the insurance companies, on the role of healthcare in our livelihoods. Yeah, and um, it's not afraid to get kind of gruesome in its expression of its beliefs. So uh, what saw gruesome? Yeah, that seems that doesn't Never. seem right. Saw's Saw's not really a violent franchise. <laughs> Never, but more so than that, like this is just a really good installment in the series. I mean, for being the sixth film that we're talking about, this is. Not my favorite of the movies, but definitely one of my favorites. And I'd say it's probably the most underrated of all the Saw movies. Yeah, absolutely. Easily the most underrated. I mean, I think it is sort of like it has gotten like favor has turned towards it, at least in like horror circles. Like people right. think it's like a good one. But like broadly speaking, it's definitely not like it's not Saw 1 or Saw 2, you know? Definitely. <laughs> So. Yeah, and I, I'd say it's well regarded among people who are super into the Saw series, like ourselves. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, but it's definitely not the sort of thing that most people would take a look at. Even if you are into horror, you're not going to be like, "Oh yeah, let's check out the sixth installment of that um, sort of middling mid two thousands horror franchise." Yeah, <laughs> like, you're just not going to do that unless you've been following it all along. But this right. is why I think so worthwhile to delve into the series because here we are the sixth installment here and we've got a bit of a hidden gem on our hands here we do we do 
It's very exciting. I remember, um, so I saw this movie came out my first year in college. Uh, so it was pretty exciting for me. Um, <laughs> and I got to go see it by myself because I couldn't convince anyone to see it with me. And, <laughs> and uh, I went and saw Healthcare Saw by myself in the movies. And it was like my first like solo movie going experience, actually. Really? Yeah. And I have since become like almost like specifically exclusively a solo movie goer. Like <laughs> I like prefer it like 90% of the time. So it's been like it almost sort of like changed my life. Um, not oh. really, you know, but you know. <laughs> Um, I would have gone that direction anyway, but it saved a life. <laughs> yes. Oh God. Um, it's just like jigsaw. Exactly. Um, yeah. I think my first solo movie going experience was probably 300. I remember um, like I was, this was still in, I was in high school at the time. I, ha- I remember having to take the bus out to the Metro, the Metro into DC and um went to the uptown theater which is a fantastic old movie house uh and watching 300 on this huge screen from the floor in a two-story movie theater wow Um, yeah that was crazy that sounds uh, fun that that also like to me is a very memorable time even though i was just going to a movie like the first time you just go out on your own to see yeah absolutely that's like like a big a big step in a movie goers like life experience i feel yeah, I, I, I like still have a lot of friends movies. who won't do it. So, right. Yeah, I love going to the movies by myself. I think it can be a lot of fun. And I do it most of the times that I go. <laughs> I mean, you can't always find someone to go if you're going as often as we do. Definitely. I literally never can. I get off of work at three. I go at like four, like <laughs> in the afternoon on a weekday. Like that's when I movie go. So yeah, it's great too. Like no one else is there during the week, which is uh yeah nice. So, yeah, um, but let's delve into this movie. Why don't we? Um, Yeah, I'm excited. The basics of the plot here are that, um, so as we know from the previous installments, the original Jigsaw, John Kramer, is dead at this point, but uh, Detective Hoffman has taken over as his protege, and he is still running the traps at this point. In this installment, it um, he kidnaps an insurance executive and puts him through this series of trials that are supposed to get him to reevaluate his attitude towards life and healthcare and the formulas that he applies in order to determine mm-hmm. who lives and who dies. Yes, those formulas. So that's that's the basic layout of it. Um, there's a lot more that happens with Hoffman, obviously, as there always is the sort of ongoing <laughs> plot. Um, there's some Jill Tuck in there, some of the other detectives, but um, we'll get to that in due time. I want to start out by just really covering this, um, this insurance executive's journey because he's, um, unlike the last one, I'd say in this one, the, the whole series of traps really is the focus of the, the movie's plot as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, uh, for the first time since maybe saw two, like the main trap series is like, really like, it feels like not only just like from a plot level, the centerpiece, but also just like thematically, like, 
you know, in Saw 4 and 5, you don't really... And yeah, I mean, in 3. 3 is kind of a weird one. Um, But 4 and 5, like, the main trap series are kind of, like, all over the place. Um, It doesn't necessarily tie into, like, the overall Saw plot that well. Like, yeah. and then in this one, it's, like, it doesn't really tie into the plot, but it is, like, thematically, this is the backbone of the movie. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, so... So to start off, we get um, our little pre-trap, as we've seen in several of the last installments, like sort of a disconnected trap. Um, This one, like some of the other ones, isn't really strictly related to the plot. It's more to just sort of set things up. But it does have some similar thematic elements. Yeah, absolutely. Thematically, it's tied in. Because the people in this trap are supposed to be predatory lenders. Um, this was also right around the time of the collapse of the housing market. So (laughs) once again, very relevant timing here for saw. Uh, and this is where it helps that, you know, they're making these movies every year. They're like making a movie every year. They're writing it, filming it, producing it, everything within that year's time span. So they're actually able to keep things relatively fresh. Right. Um, I think that is that especially in this installment that really works to the franchise's advantage. Absolutely. So, um, these two people wake up, uh, in like separate cages in this room somewhere. They've got these, uh, like vice type harness things strapped on their heads. Yeah. Like metal and stuff all over them. Um, and they're seated in these chairs um, and when they get up from the chairs, it like triggers the the jigsaw tape as it often does. Um, so- yeah, it's like it, this is like a stupid moment. So you have two characters here and one of them, uh, she wakes up and she's like freaking out and she's like screaming for help. But then her partner wakes up like her trap partner. And it's very clear quickly that she knows him because she's like Eddie don't get up Eddie yeah, Eddie Eddie yeah. and like she's like and he just goes oh, where am i and immediately stands up like <laughs> like everyone what the fuck did she does. just tell you like <laughs> whenever yeah. someone's word like not to do something they're going to immediately do it in this franchise yes <laughs> so um once once they both stood up this tape triggers um and basically it's the jigsaw puppet um billy the puppet telling them that like they've taken advantage of people by giving them these predatory loans that they knew they wouldn't be able to pay off and then um so that they could seize their houses and their assets uh and that in order to survive this trap that they will have to give up uh like shed some of their flesh to survive and it was all about how much each one of them would be willing to give up and the one who would give up more can survive. So there's this in between the two cages that they're in, there's this little scale that has tubes going into it that they can drop stuff down in. And they basically have to cut off parts of themselves and drop them down onto the scale. And when the timer's up, whichever one has the scale tipped in their advantage gets to live. The other one the little harness that they're wearing is going to drill into their head and just drill their brains out. Yeah. Um, 
it's like a rough way to go. It's also, uh, if you remember all the way back in Saw number one, the original Saw, there yeah. was like a creepy, maybe pedophilic dentist or whatever strapped to a chair in Jigsaw's lab for some unknown reason. And he had like basically this harness like attached to his head almost. Like, right, like it was yeah. the same concept for the trap. Um, so it was just like an interesting, like this is like the final development of that trap we saw way back in Saw 1 that never came to fruition. So, um, you know, just a cool little, I think a callback. I think it was intentional. Like it's supposed to be like the same thing. Yeah, um, I mean, there's so. definitely a, a few different um kinds of traps that we get to see develop over the course of the series um so it's clear that team saw is sort of updating their technology along the way sort of learning what works and what doesn't yeah somehow they're making money i don't <laughs> um i don't know who's paying team jigsaw with their continued success but that needs to be if we could get WikiLeaks on that um, they have a big r&d budget um uh, we don't really know where it's coming from uh you know <laughs> i'm sure someone can figure it out Come on. It might be like some military contract. Where's Julian Assange when you need it? Um. Yeah, really. Okay. <laughs> That's either here or there. Um, but so basically, as soon as this timer starts, they're they're running around trying to get enough piece of them cut off. Uh, right away, Eddie like pulls his shirt open and reveals this huge gut. And he does it in like yeah. sort of a menacing way. He's like, look <laughs> at all this. <laughs> I was like, it is extremely funny. And like, <laughs> they could not. Okay. I don't know what's wrong with either of them. They like both go about this in the worst possible way that I could like fathom. So Eddie, like, like you say, rips open his shirt and like, not open, but like pulls it up. And like, he's like slicing his stomach off. And like, you immediately, like, very quickly are seeing like intestines and things like that. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. And then like, <laughs> Um, Simone in her infinite wisdom takes like a chef's knife or whatever and just like is like I'm gonna sl slowly slice my arm off with this I'm like what there's a oh. cleaver right there <laughs> but you're like, missing my favorite Simone um, moment is um, like right after Eddie pulls up his shirt to reveal his enormous gut uh, she pulls up her shirt and like just sort of pats around and realizes like she's really skinny <laughs> Oh yeah, that's really you good. You like you don't have that much to cut off there. Yeah. What were you She's thinking? Like, oh, kind of oh, what happened? Yeah. Um I guess like in like a way it makes sense like like you can't just like like she could be like oh maybe I have thicker thighs but like you like might hit some like major arteries or veins or something in your thighs but like yeah. like if you have a big gut you're probably not going to hit anything like that. So like he's like taking the safer bet on bleeding out in the moment. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's probably um, the only place you could really reliably cut off large parts of flesh without what about, like, something serious. Not to be, like be crass or like facetious, but like, what about your ass? Like, just like depending on how fat it is, but like, the, you know, there's a lot of muscle there too. That's true. Also, yeah. So, like, I mean, you could hit some. I you could know, hit something. Arteries there. Yeah. Uh, it's not really anywhere that's like great to be cutting off. But yeah, yeah she, this is like a really rough trap. Like, <laughs> so he's like, he's cutting off these huge chunks of his stomach and like throwing them into the thing. He comes out to a very early lead um, and starts building on that. Wow, lead that's more good. More. Good sports talk. This yeah. is like a game. We're like watching like yeah, a. He, he's up by about two touchdowns about yeah. halfway through the time. Not um, even halfway. Like, he's up. 
till the fourth quarter. Like we're talking <laughs> like <laughs> pretty much um, at this point. She Simone, just like can't execute. Like, like she's trying, she's really sawing at that arm, but she's like not getting anywhere. She like, it's like a lot of fumbles, a lot of interceptions, just like a ton of interceptions. You know, like, <laughs> she, she's, she's taking shots on goal, but nothing's hitting. Uh, she's, she starts out trying to saw off. Like you can see her like being like, all right, how much of this do I have to cut off to be oh, like, yeah, like, that's like, like the funniest part about it. <laughs> like, like just cut the whole, why? Like if you're going to be cutting off half your arm anyway, you might as well go up to the elbow. Like you're just, you're not going to, you're not going to do that well here. You're not getting a surgical cut anyway. Um, so she starts off like she cuts like a good halfway through like her arm at a lower down point before realizing she's going to need to cut off more. So she starts cutting up higher. It's like I know she just wasted all that time. <laughs> I know she keeps going up higher like multiple times. She's like do 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 do. I'm like you're just like slicing. Like you're hurt, causing worse. so much more pain. <laughs> so she finally like at the last minute is just like goes crazy and like just takes the cleaver and chops her arm off pretty high up like just above the elbow um and this then is, yeah <laughs> this is a lot like she throws that arm into the into the scale like <laughs> she just like tosses it in it's a lot like that time Virginia came back against Louisville in like the last <laughs> <laughs> like, like she's hitting a deandre hunter banked in three from the corner uh tossing that arm in through the tube it hits the scale down uh and like right at the buzzer knocks it to her side and yep. uh, the drill goes through eddie's head yeah so she wins she's like screaming of course yeah well um, it seems that like they're screaming like the whole time like are the drills like slowly doing something to them the whole time i couldn't really make out what was going on on their heads but it looked like they were in pain regularly so yeah at a couple different intervals it like screws a little bit into their head yeah which is like i don't even get the point of that like is it just to to prove that they're like they're not fucking around like yeah i think there's a lot of that a lot of that tends to happen in saul like we see that again later with like one of um the main traps when he has to decide who to like hang and we'll get to the hanging room like yeah. it like repeatedly is like we're not fucking around like like you will both die if nobody does something here. right you know like yeah. so um i think that's the point it's just to scare them and like the fear also will incite people to action i think jigsaw does that a lot like right. um like yeah. slowly elevates it until it's like, oh, we have to do something now. Like, so. Yeah, because afterwards her arm is obviously pretty messed up, but her head yeah. seems to be fine, even though it drilled into her a little bit. Yeah. Um, I guess they they measured it to make sure it, it wouldn't go all the way in until the timer had run out. Yeah, um, it's probably just like going against the head and like grinding a little bit and, and sort of releasing. Like, it's just like painful. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like um so so yeah man this must be terrifying like you think about it like simone and eddie wake up and at this point like i mean i know saw five has happened but they're probably all like jigsaw's dead like we don't have to worry about this shit anymore and then they wake up and they're like ah god damn it like (laughs) yeah i mean right because in the last one we sort of talked about how so, like, some people didn't even seem to know that Jigsaw existed, let alone that he was dead. Which um, is some real bullshit. Kind of absurd. 
Um, but yeah, you'd think at this point people would be like, oh yeah, we heard about that saw guy, but like he died a month ago or whatever. He right. clearly, so what the hell is going on here? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So there's some more stuff that happens after here relevant to the overall plot. Uh, but we'll get to that later. Um, let's get into William Easton's story here. Um, yeah, absolutely. William Easton is the insurance executive at Umbrella Health, a health insurance company. Do you think Umbrella is like a shout out to Resident Evil? <laughs> I think it might be. I, I sure yeah. hope so. <laughs> uh, I hope they're That's connected. The only thing I could think of, you know? Yeah, that, that definitely uh, calls to mind Resident Evil. So um, when we first meet him, he's talking over this uh, deposition he's supposed to give with the corporation's lawyer. Yeah. Um, he has to give a deposition in some case where um, the company denied coverage to this guy who ended up dying from his heart disease that uh, should have been covered, but they uh, kicked him off the plan because they said he had a pre-existing condition. Right. So right here, we're already getting it. Like the pre-existing condition thing was like at the real heart of the healthcare debate at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, by now, like that sort of thing has been, so like it's sort of assumed that they're not going to do that anymore. We're yeah. all <laughs> debating other aspects of the healthcare plan. But at the time, like this was the big thing because, you know, at the time you still could kick people off their insurance for supposedly having a pre-existing condition. Right. Um, and so what this company is doing supposedly is um, they're finding all sorts of different ways that they can claim that people have a pre-existing condition for having some sort of minor health problem, even if it's not really related, um, that they didn't put on their application when they initially applied for insurance. Right. So um, in this guy's case, apparently he had some cysts removed from his mouth, like 30 years ago. And um, they're saying like, oh, well, you know, a cyst can lead to gum disease, which can lead to heart disease. Um, so therefore, this was a pre-existing condition. So you're... Which is insanity. <laughs> it's ridiculous, basically. So clearly, there's some sort of ongoing lawsuit because of this case. So he's talking it over with the lawyer. And in the meantime, you're getting... Like, they show some news clips in the background on the TV of, like, uh, ongoing stuff in the Jigsaw case, which I found right. kind of interesting. Yeah. <laughs> like, all this is just going on in the meantime. Um, and you sort of also get introduced to some of the other people in the uh, insurance company in the meantime, the main of which is the dog pit, which is uh, yes. like these six... <laughs> young associates whose whole job is just to like find reasons why um people should be kicked off their insurance yeah they just find pre-existing conditions like yeah, that's and, like their whole thing any sort of discrepancy in their application this guy had the flu once fuck him yeah um. so um we get sort of introduced to easton to the lawyer to the dog pit they're all gonna come back later don't worry so, um, but for now, 
Um, oh, one important thing here is he, he gets this phone call um, where he's like, yeah, I know it's your birthday, but I have a, a long night at the office. I can't uh, I can't really do anything about it tonight, uh, whatever. And that's going to come back later as well. Um, yeah. Also, what an ass. Like, you know, it's somebody's birthday. Their birthday comes once a year on the same day. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, great. Well done. He's he seems like a real winner. Um, so we see later at night, he's like, is he, he's like coming back to the office for something? No, he's or... at the office and he's like ostensibly like, just like, I, he's just like still there. It's like storming yeah. outside and he's at the office still. It's like everything else in the office is dark, except he's got like a light on in his office. I think it's like his computer. And so right. like, he's like, he's just like still doing work in the dark. When I don't know why left. I don't know why he's working in the dark. It's like really weird. <laughs> well, okay, just like we don't have to rationalize this too much, but like on my on my floor at my office, I can't control that. If I stay there past eight, the lights will go off no matter what. Oof. Um, yeah, That's right. and uh, that happens a lot. So, <laughs> all right. So, so I guess it's I guess it's possible. Anyway, in big so office buildings, like like. Like his, which he appears to work on, like the twentieth story. If you look out the window, like, um, so, so yeah, he's working there late. He sees like a shadowy figure moving around in the office after dark, and here we're like, uh oh, like uh, Jigsaw's coming to strike, and he takes out his gun, <laughs> which of course he has. Well, of course he does. Yeah, and he goes, um. He t- he's going out with his gun into the office and he sees like a sudden movement really close to him and he fires and he shoots and he gets the guy yeah. and it turns out it's the security guard for the building. Yeah, which is ridiculous. <laughs> and it's just like this moment like um, I love this shot. It's like so well done uh, right afterwards. He goes up to him with a flashlight and like you just see the guy's face and the security badge right on his face. It was like, oh, dang, you messed up. Uh, God. <laughs> uh, and he's like, oh, oh, no, oh, no, okay, just stay there, stay there. I'm going to call an ambulance or whatever. And then, like, the, the security guard is, like, pointing and pointing, and Easton looks behind him, and then he gets attacked by Pig Mask. <laughs> it's always Pig Mask. Pig Mask was there the whole time. Uh, always. Just got got the wrong guy. Um, so yeah. Um, so I mean, RIP that security guard, right? (laughs) We never find out what happens. I'm just like, (laughs) I'm assuming he just died. Yeah. He just like got (laughs) shot by like the CEO of his company. Like, (laughs) yeah. I mean, even assuming that Easton escapes, I'm sure he's going to get in trouble for this somehow, but right. Um, I don't know. Who knows? Um, anyway, so he gets kidnapped. He wakes up in this um, this pretty crazy contraption here. Um, he's got like um, an air mask over his face. Yes. And there's like um, there's these two metal like clamps on either side of his rib cage. Right, it's like a giant vice is like around yeah, him, basically. Um, also, he's he looks like very disheveled. He was wearing like 
the suit and tie and everything earlier. And now he's just like, he's in his shirt, which is untucked and his tie is loose and his shirt's like kind of bloody and rumpled and stuff. Uh, kind of bloody. There's like a yeah. very noticeable patch of blood on one part of his shirt. Yeah. Like, it's like a big, big, big blood patch there. Um, so he's already looking pretty bad. Then um, he gets his jigsaw tape with Billy the puppet. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. He's basically explaining to him that um, like he's been applying this cold, um, inhuman formula to everybody's lives to decide who lives and who dies. But he hasn't been considering the the will to live and the human element in his calculations. And so Jigsaw's plan is to challenge his notions of what the will to survive means and what it means to be someone who might live. Right. Um, And he's going to do this through a series of tests. And um, so each test that he completes, he's going to get a key that's going to unlock this uh, shackle that he has. He has a shackle on each one of his limbs. um, And each one of these has a bomb in them. That's going to blow up if he doesn't, complete all of his tasks within 60 minutes so yeah isn't that crazy too it's like <laughs> like they show like a just de- a depiction of it on a mannequin and it's just like these small bombs that would just like completely explode his hands yeah i mean those are some pretty effective bombs given their size yeah absolutely uh, there's these tiny little things that are on his wrists um i do like the mannequin uh demonstration <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Jigsaw's demonstrations are always a lot of fun. Like when he demonstrates the uh, reverse bear's trap on a watermelon. Oh, yeah. He's like, yes. Oh, yes. He's just like, oh, you had a lot of fun making this one. I can tell. Uh, <laughs> so his first task starts right away. Um, across from him in this weird chamber that he's in on the other side of uh, glass there's uh, the janitor from his building and Mm -hmm. he's in a very similar contraption to the one that William is in. And Jigsaw tells him that um, like this man has been a smoker his entire life, um, despite having a predisposition to heart disease. uh, And at like 50 years old or something, he's already very unhealthy for his age. So basically like your formula would tell you that um, that he does not have what it takes to survive, but um, we're going to put that to the test now. So um, basically each one of them, as soon as the time starts, um, they, for every time they breathe in the, uh, the clamps around their ribs are going to contract and squish them more and more. Um, and whoever breathes the most is going to get crushed by this. And then the, yeah, like whoever has live. to take the most breaths dies. Yeah. So obviously this janitor guy is at a huge disadvantage here. Uh, Easton looks relatively healthy, um, middle aged, definitely a bit younger than the janitor. The janitor, as we've been informed, is a heavy smoker. So uh, Easton should have the advantage here. Yes. Yeah, pretty easily. 
and um, it plays out pretty much exactly how you'd think. First of all, Easton is yeah. like, <laughs> Easton yells at him like not to breathe in, which I mean, like, good for him. That's kind of, um, you know, um, he's helping him out. He's, yeah, he's, he's looking thinking out of the him. other guy. But on the other hand, like, this guy has to die so he can live. <laughs> so he clear and he does, he's not doing this guy any favors in the actual competition because he's holding his breath the whole time. Um, right. I think the thing about Easton is that it seems like throughout the traps, he like doesn't want to make a choice and doesn't want to play the games. So he's like reluctant at first, you know, like he's like, I'm not doing this. Um, yeah. So that's like the big thing. So there he's like sort of doing that. He's like, maybe we can both win somehow. Like, I don't know what he's thinking. And also I think it's just like, it becomes increasingly clear that while like his entire like life was like deciding who lives and who dies just by virtue of like his choices on health insurance and who to provide to, like he never once considered that there were actual humans on the other side of that. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, and that's really the whole point here is uh, um, Jigsaw wants him to see that like the choices that he's making have real um, implications that the like people live and die based off of what he decides. Right. And so here, um, you know, he like he he is faced with like the reality of what his formula is like. That's basically what this is <laughs> like. Like it's like your formula says this guy dies. Now you will watch this guy die like. Um, yeah. And so. um so will all of us. Uh, one cool thing about this trap that I think is that I think the sound editing is really cool. Um, I think it's like one of the most like yeah. interesting uses of sound editing probably in the entire franchise. Um, for once in Saw, you don't get like overbearing score. You don't get anything like that. You get music drops out completely and you get like just like the sound of them breathing and then the clamps tightening when they tighten. Like, Yeah, it's um, very quiet overall. Yeah. It's really, really well done. It's really rare to be able to say any scene in Saw is quiet. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's like a big deal. Um, There's usually at the very minimum a lot of screaming, which is obviously minimized here because of the, the need to not breathe. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but like, I mean, we'll get to it when we talk about Saw 7, but like there are instances where the entire trap is based around quiet and somehow they managed to make it the loudest trap in the entire movie. <laughs> so like... Like, this is just a good example of Saul, like, actually using its editing and its traps to its advantage to make, like, a really interesting and really very tense sequence. Like, you know how it's going to play out. I mean, anybody watching this for the first time knows that Will Easton is not dying here. Um, yeah. Just, yeah. like, the fact that he's clearly the main character and also the mechanics of the trap, he's going to make it. But, like, right. <laughs> like it is still extremely tense the whole time just by virtue of the editing. And I think that's really, like, admirable and cool. Um, yeah, so, and it's a cool like it's it. a cool trap, too. Like, this one is, uh, it's sophisticated, but not, like, overly complicated. You can obviously see how it works without it being, like, ludicrous. Um, and it, it, like, it actually... See, I feel like in the later installments, we do have a lot more complicated traps, but sometimes they're like a bit convoluted. But this one seems, while it's definitely more sophisticated than like the first saw where it's just like, here, saw off your leg. Um, yeah, in a mechanical one, level, this is very sophisticated. Yeah, but <laughs> but it's, it's, um, it's simple enough that like the cause and effect are very clear and it, um, it works very well as a scene as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like I completely said, like, agree with that. It's great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, obviously they sort of both struggle to hang on here, but the, um, the janitor eventually gives up and has to take a bunch of big breaths and then gets crushed. Yeah. Um, and it's like gross. Yeah. He's like spewing blood out of his mouth into the mask. Yeah. And like when it like crushes finally, like the last moment where it's too far, like you see like something within his shirt, like explodes outward, like clearly his bones just like shattered and like, um, it's just like Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That, that one's pretty, pretty gruesome. I mean, it's not the first time we've seen a body get crushed and saw, but still. Certainly not. Um, R.I.P. Detective Strom. <laughs> mm, Special Agent Strom. Special Agent Strom. I'm sorry. Use his proper terminology. His um, name was Agent Strom. Pro- I also love the idea that Special Agent is his formal title. Like, nowhere in the history of any agency is Special Agent what you're going to be called, I'm sure. But, like... Um, that's fine. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm I can't believe we missed this. Um, sorry, I have to go back. Um, okay, I don't know. From the first trap, one of my favorite lines. Forgot to okay. mention it, but Eddie screams out to Simone like right after the trap starts. I'm not dying for you, bitch. Oh yeah, <laughs> that is really good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just a little aside there. Um, That's so, yes. predatory lenders for you. Um, yeah, those predatory lenders. They're they're predatory even to each other. So, um, yeah, after, after that trap, um, William is released from the clamps. Yes. And um, he, he falls down to the floor and realizes that he's got, like, this surgical incision in his side which is why he's got the blood all over him. Um, right. And we don't, we don't really know right away what this is for, which is, is kind of mysterious. Like, he, like someone's clearly done some surgery on him, but he seems that's <laughs> so actually just like uh, Charlie, the unicorn. He's <laughs> <laughs> taking a trip to candy <laughs> mountain. <laughs> well, like that's what you think at first. Like they took his kidney or something. Like, I know. You'd be like, why? But, like he seems why not take his kidney and give it to somebody who's sick are you fucking kidding me really yeah i mean if you want to actually prove something about healthcare, sure but um like other than the fact that he's covered in blood and he's sort of wincing from the incision he seems fine like it doesn't seem like he's missing anything important um but we'll find Mm -hmm. out what that's for later anyway he um he so he finds a key just sort of hanging from the ceiling as they like to do with keys in the saw universe. Yes. Um, there are two things they like to do with keys in the saw universe, <laughs> hang them from ceilings and drop them. Yeah. No drop <laughs> keys in this one. Oddly. No, enough. I was like watching for it because there are so many fucking keys in this movie, <laughs> but like <laughs> distinct of lack of drop keys. And uh, Easton is like kind of OP in that regard. He's like, he's a master of holding. Easton on to is OP. He's OP. <laughs> He's not bad. Um, so he he gets this key. He um, unlocks one of the little cl- uh, straps on his arms. Uh, and when he takes it off, he sees that, like, I don't know if it's written on his arm or tattooed on his arm, but it says, like... It appears to be tattooed. Yeah. It says, like, the party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just very simple. Like, so... 
these things that are written on him, this isn't the the last one either. Like when he takes off the other strap, he finds something as sure, well. Yeah. But I found this kind of funny. Like the the stuff that's either written or tattooed on him, it's not like a secret like clue that he has to figure out or something. It's just something to jog his memory. So uh, <laughs> which oh, yeah, basically yeah. tells him why he's here. Uh, right. so it doesn't actually like have anything to do with the trap. It's just sort of like a, ha ha, this is why I put you in here. <laughs> it's sort I of mean, like, this, a- this entire trap while also being a social statement is also an extremely personal vendetta from Jigsaw. Like, so yeah, yeah. why not? Like, <laughs> Which, I mean, we've seen recently that a bunch of these things have been, uh, quite personal poor art blank for example um fucking justice for art we said (laughs) so uh yeah clearly jigsaw this is another personal one for him and we find out why quite soon when he thinks back to this party we get this flashback scene of him running into john kramer at this um like sort of benefit cocktail hour or something um something to do with um his wife Jill's uh, addiction clinic, right? And um, so he meets uh, the he he meets Easton here. They sort of have a talk about what he does in insurance, how he makes his determinations of who gets the coverage, and he explains this formula that he came up with. Um, and he's very proud of the formula that he came up with as well. He's like, uh, oh yeah, he's like. He's like, it's quite complicated, actually, but it boils down to basically that uh, if the money that's spent would be spent over their lifetime on premiums is greater than the potential cost of medical expenses, then we consider coverage. And um, John asks him who who came up with this formula is like, oh, well, I did. Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh, this this formula is it's very complicated, actually, and I came up with it. So uh, you might say it's quite hello, cheap. yes. <laughs> he's very proud of it, um, but uh, John Kramer doesn't think so highly of it. Here he says, um, "Aren't you con- forgetting the, the most important factor of all, the will to survive?" Yeah, um, and um, until a human being has been faced with death. You don't truly know whether they have what it takes to survive. Right. So already here we're seeing some major themes that play out in John's work later on. Uh, We're assuming he's not Jigsaw at this point, but he already kind of has these beliefs. And uh, Easton just sort of like laughs him off, I guess, walks away. He's like, that fucking guy. Um, I know, but, <laughs> but he's not laughing now. He's just like, "Oh yeah, that guy." Yeah, uh, he's not very happy about it because everybody knows who John Kramer is at this point. Everybody knows he was Jigsaw. Um, you'd think that he would remember before. Oh right, I ran into Jigsaw at that party. Um, yeah, I guess this is what it took to jog his memory here. So that is our first look at um the backstory of john kramer and william easton and we're gonna get a little more there too we will yeah so the next challenge that um william has to go through he goes out into this 
abandoned zoo exhibit. And this is where we first find out that this is all taking place in an abandoned zoo, which is, by all right, the way. So that's like, <laughs> I love that. I love that it, like, he walks out and I, like, I distinctly remember the first time I was watching this, he walks out and, like, we see, like, just like a bunch of, like, old, like, window displays and it has like sitting branches and stuff and i was like what the fuck is this the reptile room at like like at your local like baudelaire children home like what is this and like it really reminds me of the reptile house at the national zoo like every time yeah it looks like like, it does look like that um and it i mean you find out later that yes this is actually a zoo and i think that's ridiculous (laughs) i gotta say like i I haven't lived in that many cities, but I don't know very many cities that have a defunct zoo still standing like this. Like, ooh, ooh, ooh. I I may have just figured out where this takes place. Okay, because be, of the zoo. I mean, I feel like there's yeah. the list is small. Could it be that this takes place in Philadelphia? God, it fucking this, would. Fucking and that and that this abandoned zoo is the same one in the movie Split, directed by M Night Shyamalan. Okay, I really like the clarification that that was directed by M Night Shyamalan. Um, <laughs> All those uh, movies are in Philadelphia. You're right. You're right. You know what? Fuck that. Fuck <laughs> Philadelphia. Fuck the Eagles. Fuck the Sixers. Fuck the Phillies. Like fuck the Penguins. Fuck the zoo. Like. <laughs> Yeah, fuck the penguins for real. Like, oh, that's Pittsburgh, but they're close enough. Yeah, um, that's a different different thing. We could also fuck some Pittsburgh. Um, wait, <laughs> hold on, <laughs> let's rethink that. Um, um, <laughs> but I'm just saying that um, if this is taking place in Philly, that makes so much sense. Um, not really. Philly doesn't seem like the smell. Philly is. W- I was about to say Smilly. Philly is way too small to like get away with murdering this number of people and not getting caught. But right. like, um, yeah. In my head, it makes sense. So, <laughs> head cannon accepted. Head okay. cannon accepted. Now, um, so but it also goes- has to be a city big enough to get away with all of these murders, but small enough so that in one 90 minute interval, all of the characters can get across the city like seven different times. So true, I don't, true. cause we've seen in Saw four that that's like the plot. So yeah, this um, is not taking place in New York or LA for sure. LA. Could you imagine the whole movie would just be in traffic. It'd be like a trap <laughs> in a car, a trap in a car, a trap in a car. Well, Agent yeah. Strom is like, I have to get to this house. Is like, I got to take the 405 to the 219 and get the, oh my God, I'm going to be what? there in 90 Jack minutes. Jack Bauer does it. Jack Bauer does it for like six seasons. So. Yeah. Well, Jack Bauer. Uh, I, that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> anyway, the, the setting, we can leave the setting behind, but it's always going to be an interesting conversation to me. Yeah. Um, I, I like the abandoned zoo. It's fun. Me too. Yeah. It gives it like an interesting uh, background and, and like the sets are really cool. I also feel like thematically it kind of like works like the idea of like this like housed a bunch of animals, which is sort of like what the healthcare system sees like humans as. So like um, like just like little things that can just be like left and like toyed with. And then like if they die, whatever, no one cares. We can get a new one. Like, right. Um, so, yeah, like I think it kind of makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's probably the, a good connection to be made there. So, um, 
Yeah, so this is where we first realize that it takes place in a zoo. He's going down this um, exhibit hall, and as he's walking past one of these empty exhibits, the uh, the two video screens that are underneath it light up, and they both say, like, take, and they have little arrows pointing to these two metal handles that are there. Um <laughs> And Easton, once again, in a brilliant moment of Saw character reactions, is just like, fuck that. I know. (laughs) I won't do it. (laughs) He he starts, he continues walking down the hallway, but then the little uh, strap on his wrist starts blinking. And he realizes like, oh, this thing is going to explode if I walk any further. So he has to go back um, and he has to pick up these two handles. Um, and thus begins probably one of the more theatrical traps in all of Saw history. Uh, this This is a lot. This is a lot of fun. Uh, so he, he picks up these two metal handles and the first thing that happens is a Billy, the puppet comes swinging down in the exhibit class and like (laughs) crashes into the glass right in front of his face and then starts talking. (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely love it. It's like fucking Kermit the Frog just dropped. Like, yeah. <laughs> the level of animatronics that they had to put into this to just to make this thing talk to him when they had video screens right there that could have like shown the Billy video instead like they normally do. Like you're just seeing the dedication that Team Saw puts into these things at this point. They're like, no, it's going to be way more dramatic if this puppet comes swinging in uh, with a noose around his neck, made of barbed wire and just starts talking. I don't even know how it's talking, like completely hanging by itself with no one controlling it. But Um, no, no one (laughs) understands how it also like, this is a very ridiculous moment. Like, okay. So he picks up the things, he picks up the handles and the jigsaw puppet slams into the window of this housing thing this that i guess once held like what an anaconda like it's massive um and this the puppet slams into the window what to intentionally make will easton drop the handles and kill both of the people <laughs> inside like possibly yeah like what is the point here and then um he doesn't do that. And so the puppet starts talking and then the puppet gives the message about how we'll have to choose somebody to, to live or die. And then it slowly rises into the ceiling. <laughs> I love it. I, <sighs> I, just, I love this scene. It's so much fun. This is like, this is exactly here. Why this is such a great installment in the franchise. Cause it's just fun. It is like, fun. Yeah. It's great. It's scary. But also this one, like, I feel like they were just really having fun with it. They're like, how much goofy stuff can we put in here? Right. They'll have it be a horror movie. It's great. <laughs> so, yeah. So the jigsaw, uh, the Billy the Puppet basically tells him that, like, he has a formula. It tells him who is more likely to survive. But, like, how does that formula apply when you start to take into account outside factors um like how important a person might be in the world or to the pe- pe- people around them um and so 
the two people who are in this trap are his secretary and his file clerk. The secretary is like a middle-aged woman, uh, probably late forties. Um, and the file clerk is like a young 20 something man. Yes. <laughs> and um, the, idea, <laughs> yeah. the idea here is, uh, so you say like, um, your, your formula would tell you that your secretary who is much older, um, and has a bad family history, has a bad family history, um, does not have as much of a chance to survive here. But if she dies, like she'll be missed by her family. And like one of the video screens below starts like showing pictures of her with her family. And, and he says, meanwhile, your file clerk like has no family and will be missed by no one. And the photo, <laughs> they show like a series of photos of the file clerk. And first of all, okay. So they show the secretary's photos and it's like her with her daughter and her with her husband. And it's like, great, this is nice. And then it's like, and here's your file clerk. And it's like black and white photos of him sitting in a hoodie against a fence on the sidewalk. <laughs> like <laughs> it was like him, like sitting alone, eating a sandwich and it, like, just like him on a bench in the middle of nowhere by himself. And I'm like, okay, mood, first of all, <laughs> but also <laughs> it's just He's like, eating, like sad egg salad like by himself <laughs> but also like where did they get these photos like do they just yeah, fall around they don't have adam anymore <laughs> adam's not taking photos so like because yeah. like amanda killed him so like yeah. <laughs> um yeah, and so also like what is this like it looks like the cover of like a dashboard confessional album like <laughs> He's just like sitting there, like so sad and emo. Like, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. oh God, it's so good. So, yeah. And I was like, I was insulted. I'm like, hey, just because like a young 20 something guy doesn't have any family yet, like, you're going to be like, oh, this guy's worthless. Like, whatever. Come yeah, on. Also, fuck that. Jigsaw, yeah. <laughs> how old were you and you didn't have a living kid? I don't want to fucking hear it. <laughs> Um, oh, oh! Don't don't rub in the living kid thing, man. Come on, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so this is just like this is really funny. <laughs> the, the whole it's part really with the file funny. clerk. Um, so you have emo kid dashboard confessional file clerk, and you can hang him with barbed wire, or you can hang Phyllis from the office with barbed wire. <laughs> <laughs> Which one are you gonna choose? Like, there's no winning here. Like, <laughs> no. Um, so yeah, they're both they're both in this tank. By the way, um, I guess it gets revealed when the lights come on, like, because they've yeah. been there the whole time. But it's they were like being awfully quiet beforehand. But the the lights come on. They're both revealed to be there. Um, with like a barbed wire noose around their necks, standing on these little yeah. platforms uh, in the middle. Yeah, of they're the sta- okay. They are literally standing on diving boards, yeah. and they have barbed wire nooses around their neck. Not just any nooses. Like it's like, like this is gonna hurt. Kind of death. Like I mean, I know like oh, yeah. a lot of death hurts, but like <laughs> you're also gonna like be bleeding. Like you're not just gonna like get hanged. Um, and then they also have like, like straps in their mouth so they can't speak um yeah they, why could i gagged. not think of the word for that? they're gagged wow they're gagged you know what maybe their... i didn't want to say that they were gagged because <laughs> that sounds weird um they're just gagged and they've got <laughs> i am gagging gagged right <laughs> um, and they've got their hands uh like 
uh, cuffed together somehow. Which yes, unclear, unclear about that. Well, that, I mean, that yeah. makes yeah, but but that in yeah, okay, you're right. It's unclear how that mechanism works. Um, right. That's a really good point. And um, <laughs> so yeah, so basically he's holding these two things and he has to let go of one to kill somebody. Like um, if he lets go, that person dies, like depending on which side he lets go of. Right. Yeah. And um, he like, doesn't want to make a choice and he's crying. And he's like, I won't do it. I won't do it. And, um, but while he doesn't do it, um, the mechanism behind in the Anaconda cage pulls each one closer to the edge of the diving board. Yeah. So that like, Eventually, if he doesn't choose someone, they both get hanged by barbed wire. And then you have hanged both MySpace Kid and Phyllis. Like, at which point, <laughs> you might as well give up. Um, yeah. Although there is, I will say, there is no indication that if he doesn't hang someone, that if he doesn't choose, he won't get the key. Like, there is zero indication that that's the case. <laughs> the key is yeah. just, like, hanging over there. He could just, like, let go of both and go get the key. He could uh, just let everybody die and just yeah. take the key be fine um in fact i think there are some exceptions to that i think he couldn't get through certain rooms without like letting people do their thing like the shotgun thing i think he had to choose people um we'll get to that later but like but maybe yeah yeah um uh yeah but it's definitely true that in this case he could have let the most die obviously that wouldn't be the preferable choice uh right yeah i mean and that's what it comes down to for him like you watch him make that decision where he's like, they're both teetering on the edge of the diving board. And he's like, I have to pick someone like I can't just like let this one go Um, because otherwise they'll both die. And that's definitely not worth it. So, um, so ultimately (laughs) he chooses to let MySpace kid die. Um, (laughs) And I gotta say um, he lets go of MySpace kid's side and Phyllis realizes what's happening and she's like, okay. And MySpace kid in all of his emo infinite wisdom is like, fuck you, I'll fucking kill you, I'll fucking <laughs> and like and he's saying this all through the gag, and then he dies. Um But but like the um so after like the time runs out and he's let go of MySpace kid's handle like the the clamps on his hands like separate so his hands are free for a second so you think like oh like maybe he can still escape and then he gets hanged yeah but it's like how did that even work like there was some sort of like remote mechanism that unlocked his hands yeah it doesn't make any sense and also like if he'd really been smart and like not cared about his hands, he actually probably could have saved his life right there. He could have like jammed him in there or something. No, no, no. He could have grabbed onto the barbed wire above his head and pulled himself up just enough so that when he hanged, he wasn't actually hanged. Right. He was just like cut a little bit and then let himself be slowly lifted into the ceiling. Um, and we know that he knew that this happened because he was there when Billy, the puppet got slowly (laughs) lifted into the ceiling. Yeah, so the other fun part of this is that after MySpace Kid gets horribly hanged with this barbed wire, it sort of like flings him forward into the glass and he's like spewing blood all over there. So uh, Mr. Easton gets a real nice look at what he did, basically. Yeah, oh yeah, and like, yeah, it's gross. 
And then after that, it slowly like ratchets him up into the ceiling. So he just like sort of gets gets pulled away off into the rafters. Who knows where he goes? <laughs> but it's like it's this great like oh the the automation here is just fantastic. Like all this is just running on its own. Uh, and then and then so the Phyllis is able to pull the gag out that her hands get freed as well by the same automatic mechanism. And she's like, thank you. Thank you so much or whatever. And he's like, you have to find a way out. Like I'm going to, I have to move on. And so he goes on to the next room, but like how on earth is she going to get out of here? <laughs> she's, yeah. she's they on also, this little diving like board, just, like holding onto this, like, like barbed wire and like looking scared. And he just leaves, I guess like, <laughs> I guess she can like slowly but painfully untie the barbed wire around her neck, basically. Like, yeah. um, because it doesn't look like it's like tied intricately, but it's barbed wire. So like when it interlocks, it like it locks, you know? Yeah. Um, so I feel like she can just like slowly undo it and she'll be fine. But even then it's unclear how she's going to get out of this tank, you know, like th- she's on this little diving board type platform in the middle well this isn't a zoo there are ways that they the people can enter to feed people though there's a way out it's fine man Um, i i feel like the whole diving board thing was something the jigsaw put in there so i don't know Uh, are you kidding me anacondas love to dive (laughs) so um maybe maybe so yeah um maybe so dot jiff um (laughs) we never get to see any more of her so we are hoping that she got out alive but it is assumed that she lives and i think that it's worth pointing out like the number of people who might live in this one um but yeah yeah um but not totally clear after this weird trap gets completed uh easton finds another key on his way out and use it to unlock his other wrist strap. Um, this one reminds him of a time where John Kramer actually came to him for health insurance issues. Right. So in this one, we're back in this flashback. We're back in Easton's office, as we saw before. Um, but it's like sunny. And it's just worth mentioning. It's never sunny. <laughs> and this this scene plays out very similar to another flashback we saw where um they showed the guy who died of heart disease who was there um in his office basically just tell him like you just killed me as soon as he denies the coverage. Uh and this scene plays out somewhat similar. John is there to ask um William to approve this experimental treatment for his cancer. Um because he's apparently been denied for it but he knows easton personally and he thinks like oh like clearly there must be some mistake he'll get him to overlook it um and easton basically tells him like uh well this this kind of cancer you have is malignant it's inoperable uh it's not considered and this treatment is highly experimental it's not considered to be effective under the formula or whatever so basically by his um his formula and his rules and policy, he's not able to approve this treatment. And um, 
Jaysaw or John Kramer. I also just like want to bring up, does this like health insurance exact know what malignant means? Anyway, um, like, (laughs) anyway. Cancer. Yeah, it's definitely malignant. (laughs) Yeah, I don't like, like, that's not, I don't know. Like that, I thought that was particularly ridiculous when he's like, this cancer is malignant. And I was like, yeah, I don't, it's cancer. Cancer is like. This isn't like a tumor. Like what? Like <laughs> there was no chance it was benign. Like <laughs> okay. Anyway, just we can move on from that. But that was like definitely the writer showing that they don't know what the fuck they're talking about for a second there. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So um, uh, Kramer's not too happy about this. Basically, he's he's like saying like why why is this not possible like um, uh, by what equation do you have to to tell you that I'm not going to be able to survive this and like um, he he's uh, arguing back and forth with William and uh, but my my favorite part is this this great quote he has here. Um, which sort of sums up the message of the movie here and the the political stance that this film is taking. Uh, he says, we got it all ass backwards here. These politicians, they say the same thing over and over and over again. Healthcare decisions should be made by doctors and their patients, not by the government. Well, now I know they're not made by the doctors and their patients or by the government. They're made by the fucking insurance companies. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, that's like pretty much like the, I guess like the thesis of the movie, um, in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways. I think like the overall franchise can be branched out to say that like I don't think the the franchise necessarily trusts the government to make those decisions either. But um, yeah, (laughs) because the franchise is not does not look favorably upon government institutions yeah is all i'm gonna especially say. like um, the justice system or anything like that yeah There's a lot of distrust there in the medical but, system um <laughs> but this is specifically uh an anti-corporate um an anti-corporate healthcare uh movie this this installment in particular is absolutely yeah for sure um but yeah, like this this scene basically serves to show like why John basically might have had the <laughs> might have had the idea to put this guy in one of his traps. Yeah, you think that maybe John Kramer was a little personal when he was choosing his victims? Might have, um, might have given him the thought that hey, look, if we're going to test someone, why not this guy? Mhm. It also yep. gives you his basic outlook on you know, the insurance companies. and He views them as another one of the aspects of society that uh, are holding back humanity, basically. Right. Um, and also, well, but also there's this, uh, there's this part in here where, uh, you know, William tells him if he goes outside the uh the network and like goes pays for this treatment on his own the costs are going to be tremendous to him and uh john's like oh uh it's not about the money you know i have money it's about the principle oh like, wait a minute like so you could afford to pay for this yourself 
Like, yeah. This is uh so I, I mean it makes sense. He's clearly, you know, a pretty successful civil engineer. He's got this whole I love that we're like describing his job as a civil engineer. That's not a job. Like <laughs> that's a major. But like He's a civil um, engineer. Um <laughs> he engineers things. He does engineering. Um, mm, I work in a job for civil engineers. Let me tell you that. Um, uh, no. Um, <laughs> so he, he does. Things I don't know what that make him a lot of money. Um, but he. So, but the thing is, we don't really ever get to find out if he did get this treatment. Presumably, he could have paid for it himself, as he reveals here. But, yeah, because we all have to find out that Jigsaw's part of the fucking one percent, which is like some <laughs> serious bullshit. Like, mm. uh, at least Jigsaw's a, a class trader in the good sense. You You're know? right. He's he's helping the working man here. Um. Mm. So, but the the funny thing here is like we so we don't get to find out whether he got the treatment or not. But either way, we know he died. So either he did pay for the treatment and it ended up not working and so not being worth it or he decided himself that it wasn't worth paying for and he died anyway so either way okay <laughs> jigsaw did not die from cancer <laughs> well that's true that is <laughs> jigsaw true. actually was had his throat slashed so no, he died he had a he had acute jeffitis there um <laughs> <laughs> but um, to be fair, he was like on his deathbed when that was happened. Yeah, but he knew he was on his way out. Like he 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 didn't have any more uh, chances to survive. Anyway, that's our fun little flashback there. Oh, meanwhile, so there's another sort of trap going on at the same time as. William Easton is working his way through these. When he first woke up in these clamps with the mask and everything, uh, Jigsaw told him that if he didn't make it through all the tests in the 60 minutes that he was given, that he would never see his family again. And at the same time, we're shown um, this mother and son who are ostensibly Easton's family waking yes. up in this small cage somewhere else in this big complex right um and so we we get some various shots of them throughout this whole sequence but uh the basic gist of their situation is they're in this little cage they can see on like a security monitor everything that easton is going through and they have this switch in the room with them that says live or die um yeah and there's also a big tank of hydrofluoric acid in the room with them. And there's sprinklers over their heads. So they think that maybe the sprinklers could be connected to the hydrofluoric acid. Possibly if they flip the switch, it'll drop the acid on them. So they don't want to pick die, but they also don't necessarily want to pick live because who knows what jigsaw has got planned. Right. Um, we don't know they they don't know enough about this to figure out what to do here um and they definitely don't want to risk it cuz hydrofluoric acid raining down on you would be pretty bad 
And it would be very like Jigsaw to decide that live means die. So <laughs> exactly right, like he's like all picking the selfish movie. one means you die. You know, like that would be a very Jigsaw thing. He's all so. about those twist endings, like in Saw Four when Rig was supposed to go through the door, but he wasn't supposed to go through the door. That was so. bullshit. <laughs> I still, I still think that shit was fucked. Anyway, justice um, for Rig and Matthews. Justice for justice for Rig and for Matthews. They both should have won. They should have won their traps. Really? Rig for real should have won. Matthews, I think, was, like, a legitimately bad guy. So, like, I don't know about him. But, like, Rig, like, seemed like he was a good dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. like um, so, and he played by the rules and he did the right thing. He should have won. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. um. That one was bogus. And then um, he just, like, got shot. Like, he didn't even, like, lose in, like, a cool way. Anyway, um, like, at so, least tear his limbs apart. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so, yeah, in this in this whole, we get several different cuts back to them throughout the whole Easton trials. Um, but eventually they try pulling the lever and it doesn't seem to do anything so they're like really puzzled as to why they're there what they're supposed to do they can see the time ticking down so they know there's some sort of time limit to all this but they're not quite sure what's going on meanwhile there's another very similar situation playing out elsewhere in this complex um where the reporter um pamela jenkins where yeah, where the reporter Pamela Jenkins wakes up in a very similar cage. Um, she is someone we're just introduced to in the beginning of this movie. No, 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 no. She's in Saw Five. Oh, she's in Saw Five. Yeah, yeah. Yes. What she? So she's... she appears in a press conference. That press conference that um, Detective Hoffman gives. <laughs> the one where he starts just monologuing his jigsaw. Yeah. Yes, the monologuing um... one, and she appears in it. So it's actually like a really weirdly like like Saw knew that they were going to bring her back, right? Like mm-hmm. because they show her heavily in that press conference and she doesn't even really do anything. The camera just focuses on her. Like Okay. Um yeah. So this so, is the first time she does anything of note though. Yes, um, but she will go on to appear in Saw the video game. Basically, oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have to get to that at some point too yeah but basically, she she has been covering the whole jigsaw case from the beginning she's um been sort of sensationalizing it is the idea that we get i don't really says, know how you could i i love that they talk about that because like i don't know how you could sensationalize the saw killers like this is already sensationalized yeah like the whole thing is sensational like <laughs> the most sensational like murder serial killer trial of all time and yet somehow like she's accused of being like a gossip columnist or something it's like no like i'm pretty sure this is just a really wacky case um but basically she's supposed to be playing sort of like a freddie lounge character here from uh, yeah. silence of the lambs or whatever um red dragon manhunter all that um manhunter good one yeah manhunter yeah good stuff um so she's uh she wakes up in one of these cages as well and she she actually gets a jigsaw tape but it's kind of it's this one's kind of rambly 
It's like telling her like, oh, you've been sensationalizing my case, blah, blah, blah. And like it even cuts away while the jigsaw while jigsaw is talking to her so it's yes. like even, even the movie doesn't find what he's saying to be particularly interesting well because uh, she doesn't have anything to do yeah like, she just kind of has to sit there and watch things happen she also has a monitor but she doesn't even get a switch she just like gets to watch what's happening yeah it's really unclear that anything would have happened if I mean, it's unclear that she could have done anything, that she had any real reason to be here, that anything would have happened to her. Like, I don't know. The whole thing is weird. The Pamela Jenkins thing is weird. Yeah, very strange. But I do love her name. Pamela Jenkins is, like, a very Saw name. Like, <laughs> like because Saw doesn't really, I mean, full, I mean, I just feel like Saw doesn't know how to pick names of people in the contemporary era. Like, this movie came out in 2009, and they were calling a character Pamela Jenkins and thinking that was like a 20 some year old woman. Like, no, like nobody was naming their child Pamela. Like, so, okay. Like, um, you got something <laughs> against the name Pamela, Matt? Nothing, but you know, I'm right. Like, like <laughs> you have characters named like Pamela Jenkins. Like nobody was calling calling their kids Pamela Jenkins and like whatever year you had to be born in to be 20 something in 2009. Like she might've been older than 20 something. What about, about Pamela Beasley, Matt? Was that a weird character name? Yes, it was. <laughs> but that was the point of her name. Everybody on the office had weird names. That was the whole thing. Um. <laughs> All right. We'll get to buzzed on the office later. Um, <laughs> That's like a side pod. That's like a mini pod. <laughs> We're going to cover um, every episode of The Office next. That's our next challenge. Don't you uh, fucking tempt me. Um, <laughs> don't tempt me with a good time. All right, Luke Combs. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyway, um, that's the whole situation with the mother and son and Pamela Jenks and everything. Not a lot happens there throughout the movie until the very end. So we'll get back to but that. But it's happening. Yeah, it's happening. It's going on in the background. Um, meanwhile, um, we're on to William's third task. Here, he goes into like this crazy boiler room, uh, which I don't even know why this exists at the zoo. This whole part seems very different from like all the other settings in this whole complex. This one seems yeah. more like. Like we're back at the meatpacking plant or something. Uh, I mean, I guess the idea of there be I mean, there's a boiler room at most facilities, right? I'm sure, like, yeah. I mean, they have one at Degrassi High, so <laughs> I'm... And it's where um, Bianca blew Drew for the first time. So, like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure... <laughs> I'm pretty sure they have one at this zoo. Like boiler rooms are normal. Yeah. So yeah, I don't I know get what all, <laughs> I get all my knowledge of the uh the utilities at institutional um buildings from Degrassi High. <laughs> you know? um, we're gonna we're going to get to buzzed on Degrassi at a later date, I'm sure. Uh, oh uh, my gosh, there's so many spinoffs being decided in the Healthcare Saw episode. Um, but like, 
I just think it's not that weird. What I do think is weird is that there's a bridge system across the boiler room. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like not a normal bridge system. It's like a fucking maze. And it like, is. <laughs> this is like on the Death Star or something. Like, I yes. don't even know who designed this boiler room. It's very strange. Um, it's the worst boiler room literally ever. Well, because there's like jets of steam going everywhere. Like, I don't think you're just supposed to have steam going out everywhere in a normal boiler room. Um, I guess this was like set up by saw, but also if you've got saw. steam, this was set up by saw. It was this saw was... did it. <laughs> that guy saw, but saw taught me. Um, but if you've got the steam coming out of the boilers, aren't you going to lose the pressure or something? I like, I don't know. This... Are you fucking asking me about boiler rooms and pressure? I don't. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna discuss at least half an hour worth of how boilers work. Um, Stay but... tuned for buzzed on boilers. <laughs> <laughs> um, buzzed on boiler makers. So, yeah. oh no, rip the boiler makers. <laughs> rip. <laughs> so, um, anyway, this this big steam room here, the whole task here is the lawyer that we saw at the beginning of Eastman's scene um is here Easton scene is here um she has this weird device strapped to her which is kind of reminiscent of the weird device that um Art Blank had strapped to him in the fourth movie yes um but this one instead is on her front and supposedly yeah. what's going to happen if she doesn't complete her task in time is that it's going to like send a spike up to pierce her brain. Yeah. Art Blanks was like weirder because it was like going to just like pinch his spine. Which was, like, <laughs> I was like, I was couldn't he just like, couldn't he just fuck? like, couldn't he just lean forward and avoid it? Yeah. Couldn't. The way- why didn't Jigsaw just make one that would, like, sever his head? Like, I don't know. Like, anything would have been better than this. It's just going to break his spine. Like, yeah, that's going to kill him. But, like, what if he thwarts it? I think he can. It's a small clamp, Jigsaw. Um, But whatever. Yeah, he didn't great. He didn't thwart it because he was an idiot. But, like, he also didn't deserve it because he was trapped twice. Anyway. Um, so. Justice, on, justice for Art Blank. I will never um, get over it. I don't understand why Jigsaw tests people multiple times. Um, crazy. Um, so in order to pass... And also, wait, hold on. He tests people multiple times and then thinks... He still thinks, my method works. Fuck you. Your method doesn't work if you feel like you need to test them twice, you asshole. Clearly, I'm doing good for humanity uh, here. Jigsaw can uh, go fucking rot in a pig's grave. Well, um, he probably did. Um, yeah. I don't know what they did with his body, but it probably wasn't great. Oh my god! If he, yeah, if he got married, he was exhumed many times. Um, so, <laughs> um, so anyway, in uh, her task in this room that she has to complete, and William has to help her with this, is she has to go through this sort of maze-like system of bridges in this steam room and get to the other side of the room. Now, um, as she's going along these walkways, there's, like, 
burning hot jets of steam in some places that she has to get through. Which and... makes sense. I've been in steam tunnels before. This happens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I've been there, too. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I've, not, I've not been in anything close to this, but okay. Uh, no, I was just going to let us sound hardcore. I don't know why you uh, had to, like, clarify. We're hardcore, you know. Yeah. Been... You're not hardcore unless you live hardcore. So, like, <laughs> no, why you try to... To take that away from us, Teddy. Okay. Okay. Um, bring in, bring in, uh, bring in school rock into this. That's it's great. It's like the only Jack Black movie I like. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a good one. That's um, not true. I really like Jumanji, the new Jumanji. Um, oh, yeah. That was good. That was really it was good. so funny. It was hilarious. Okay. Jack Black was really funny in that. Okay. He was and, so good. <laughs> so, the steam room. Um, she has to, like, this steam is very hot indeed. Like, you can see the couple of times she runs into it, it burns her skin immediately and it's, like, really, really badly. So Alternately, what you can see is the times where Will Easton can relieve her, which means he redirects the steam onto himself. Yeah, he's got a couple places where, um... In order for her to get through, he has to pull this lever and it'll redirect the steam towards him so she can move past. All right, has to is a big word. If she were just a stronger human, she could just run through it. I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) It's pretty bad. I think she would run really bad. But it also immediately goes on to him. So it's just as bad on him. Yeah, he's getting burned like right in the face. Half yeah. this time or like, like her, she would, she could like cover her face and run through him. It's like, it's his face. There's he no, to, yeah. He has to sit right there with it burning on his face. It's yeah. like, ah, it's because he can't do anything else. Cause it's like, he has to turn a knob. Yeah. He can't move away. Um, so there's a couple different places he has to do this. She gets through, they both get pretty badly burnt by the end of this. Um, but she, Gets through to this little room that's caged off from where Easton is. Like they're on other either side of this screen door, sort of. Um, and she needs this. She needs a key in order to unlock this thing that's attached to her chest that's going to pierce her brain. And she's looking around for a key, but instead of the key, she's seeing like all these x-rays and photographs and stuff. Um, And basically what they reveal is that the key was implanted inside of Easton's side in that little surgical incision that we saw earlier on. Yes. Um, Apparently this was, this was another fun little project that they did while he was passed out. Um, we know this is what Team Saw likes to do. They did this uh, with the the key behind the eye in the second movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is nothing too new. But Can you believe that Hoffman was involved for Saw Two? Um, yeah, I mean uh, Hoffman was involved for Saw One. Apparently, yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, Saw Saw Five really tells us a lot of backstory that we didn't no before yeah but um so (laughs) all that she's given is this information and a buzzsaw (laughs) (laughs) and 
So basically, like, she comes crashing through this door with this buzzsaw, like, ready to cut Easton in half in order to get the key out of him. And he's just, like, fighting her off. He's like, wait, wait, like, I can I can just get it out. <laughs> like, whenever he's like, wait a minute, like, you didn't need to cut him in half to get the key out. Like, I'm pretty sure you could have just picked apart the stitches and pulled it out. No, but she, <laughs> like, goes full crazy for She's it. She's nuts. So he's fighting her off. Um he manages to knock her to the side. Uh, she get like the timer runs out and the thing pierces her brain. She sort of like falls to the bottom of this room off of the ledge that they're on. Um, yep. She yeah. just dies. It's yeah. over. It's pretty brutal. Uh, that brain piercing there. So, uh, <laughs> and the next then uh, Easton goes through the door and gets his next key, and he looks visibly pissed off at this point. He's like, before he was just like very confused and worried, and at this point he's just like, this guy's fucking with me. Yep. <laughs> he's just got this look on his face. He's like, oh, it's great. Um, and I think, it, so he presumably uses this to unlock one of his legs. But I don't think we get any more messages at this point, right? No. Like I think we're done with the flashbacks. We just had the two arm flashbacks, which were interesting. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. But um, so we get on to the final task of William Easton. This one is absolutely crazy. This is perhaps one of the best traps in all of Saw. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, just like thematically and everything. Like thematically, the like the drama in this scene that plays out, the ingenuity behind the like the way it's set up, it's absolutely great. So um when he comes into this room, you don't get a really good sense of what is in this room at first. You just see like sort of quick flashes of movement and stuff, and you hear uh, well, first, like he, when he comes to the door of this room, he hears voices like yelling on the other side. And uh, it's the the people from the dog pit in at his business. Um, it's like all of them, basically. They're saying, like, help us, help us. And he's asking him what's going on. And they're like, we, we can't see. It's all dark in here. When he comes to the room, the lights come on and it's revealed that they're on they're all strapped to like this kitty carousel type thing like the thing you'll see on the playgrounds that kids can spin around on that thing uh, that makes people throw up yeah yeah that one <laughs> that that fun thing um and so all six of them are on this thing and they're the thing is rotating around it's got some sort of motor on it and there's a like a sh- automatic shotgun pointing at the carousel and the whole this whole contraption is inside a cage so easton can't get to it but um here the the jigsaw tape gives him the whole lay of the land basically explains to him that like he's got this formula for who should live and who should die but um like how do you make these choices when it's like people who are close to you or like people, you know, um, so, and basically 
all six of them are here on the carousel and he can only save two of them. Yes. Uh, the shotgun is going to keep lowering and firing at the, um, at the carousel until all six rounds have been fired. So potentially there's one to kill every person on there. Um, but he can stop two of them from going off by piercing his hands in this weird box thing that's in front of him. I'm not quite sure why he can't do it more than twice, but like, I guess there's something programmed into it that won't allow that. Um, yeah, I guess so. Um. <laughs> but basically, so four of them are going to die. Two of them might live if he's willing to pierce his hands. And, um, he's got to decide pretty quickly because this shotgun's going to keep firing. Uh, and as soon as this thing starts, it's just absolute madness. Like it all, is, of, yeah. all of them are yelling. All of them are like it, giving reasons why they should live and why the others should die. I mean, it immediately <laughs> becomes the dog pit. Like they're all just like, they're like, oh, she's a fucking lion bitch. And like, oh, she's not pregnant. And like one of them is like, oh, I am pregnant. And then one of them's like, I have parents who love me. And then somebody's like, your parents hate you. They cut and it's you like, off. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Like, it's oh like, my God. Everybody's fighting to survive, throwing each other under the bus. It's nuts. And you have some who are like the obvious, like, they should live like what like hit the first woman he saves is just like she hasn't said anything bad about anyone she's just like please don't kill me like like she should probably live like that seems right like <laughs> right and she said she has two kids and she says like to, that her kids need her yeah um, um, and i guess easton knows that this is true that she has the kids so right he, so like it's like oh she he lets her live and like that's fine yeah and then so you have pierces, like when he pierces his hand like the shotgun instead of firing at the um carousel it turns up to the ceiling and fires up there as well right which so is the point still... is it fires six times no matter what like it right. will always fire six times um so, but then, like, like you have, like, these dudes who are, like, total asshats. Like, <laughs> like every single one of the guys in this trap are just, like, I don't know. I don't want to hear from them. Like, you have, like, the one dude who's, like, man, I get you everybody who you turn down for health care. It's, like, do you think <laughs> we like you? Like, I do so much work for you. Yeah, it's, like, uh, your job is Hey, man, <laughs> I got you everybody you killed. What the fuck? Like, okay. Mm, we don't like that you have the like bro dude who probably went to uva no offense hey, um, whoa 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 hey okay did you see him he went to uva um, <laughs> he probably I went, went to, to yale, yale or something. i'm not saying anything bad i'm just saying like that dude he at least applied to uva um is this josh you're talking about here yeah, the, the guy in the, the, like, the sweater vest dies. No, 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 not the sweater vest dude. Sweater vest dude is like a William and Mary kid. But like, um, <laughs> like um, UVA kids don't wear sweater vests. I don't know what the fuck you would think if no. A but UVA the worst, kid... the worst guy is definitely the last guy who's the one who's wearing the sweater vest. Yes, I never said that the other guy was worse. I never said that. Oh. Um, <laughs> Like, the sweater vest kid is the worst. He's the fucking pit. Like, 
Like every time he speaks and like, it's like the worst thing about him is that he's in a sweater vest. So you think he'd be like a nice geeky kid. And then he starts speaking and it's like, Jesus Christ, I want you to fucking be beheaded. And I want it to be slowly. So you feel it like, um, God, I hate him. Um, <laughs> he's just like, he, she doesn't care. She, her parents hate her. She's a fucking lying bitch. She's not pregnant. She's a lying bitch. I'm like, you don't know anything about these people, do you? You just think they're all women, so they're lying bitches. Like, get fucked, dude. I yeah. I want you to die right now. So he's, he's the last one to get uh, put in front of the shotgun, so to speak. And at this point, Williams just saved the second person. Uh, so he's got no more saves left. So we know he's going to die. So he's just like, He's like, what the fuck, dude? Basically, he's like, he's like oh, that's oh, I guess this is it. This is it. Huh? And he calls him pussy whipped. He yeah. says, a bitch says one thing and it's all over. <laughs> and it's like, well, dude, you're in a fucking sweater vest. You think anyone's going to save you, you asshat? Like, nobody cares. So get over it. My favorite thing he says is, he says, you know what, William? Your policy is bullshit. It's like, oh, really digging deep there, you know. Yeah, like also insulting the policy. Dude, you support the policy. Your entire life has <laughs> been supporting the policy. Yeah. Um But then he he commands William to look at him while he's getting killed. That's actually then, a good moment. So like that is his best moment. Also, his right. name is Josh, right? Yes. Um, that's what we've decided. So justice for Josh. Um, but like, um, you know, I love people with the name Josh. Um, (laughs) just like by default. And so I think like, I think that's a very powerful moment when he like commands Will Easton to look at him. I think that that's like very important. I think that it is thematically relevant. Um, unfortunately it comes from Josh. (laughs) Yeah, Josh is a bit of a turd, unfortunately. I can't believe that a guy named Josh would be a turd. Well, you win some, you lose some. Anyway, um, so that one, I guess, goes about as well as could have been expected. Like, we're we're not seeing, like, Jeff levels of failure here. But, uh, I mean, four people died here. But he couldn't really save more than two, so at least he saved his. Yeah, two. I was gonna say I don't think I don't think that could have been changed. I think that at right. least four people would have died no matter what. So, yeah, it's like overall, Easton does relatively well. I guess theoretically he could have saved the lawyer somehow, but I mean he would have had to find some way to do it without her killing him. And uh, I mean, I all he needed to do was split. The stitches on his side. Like, right. But he needed more time. He didn't get her across in time. That was the yeah. big thing. Yeah, so. if he'd had more time, maybe. He could have figured yeah. it out. But anyway, this is his last like big test here. Uh, he leaves, gets another key. Uh, I don't know how these people get out either. Because <laughs> they're like the two of them that are still alive are still strapped to this merry-go-round. Uh I don't know how they're going to get out of there. Well, I guess at this point, Jigsaw kind of knows that, like, Hoffman is running the show. So he's probably like, Hoffman will rescue them. Um, right. Or, like, find a way to have them rescued. You, you know, know what I mean? 
But yeah. I mean, I I assume Hoffman put all of this into place as well. Like, I mean, but are... we know. I mean, and we can discuss like the like the the subplot of like the Hoffman story. But we know that Jigsaw decided the people here. Oh yeah, Jigsaw planned this whole thing. Um, yeah, but I think Hoffman executed the whole thing at this point. Right. Um. Yeah. Anyway, unclear how they're getting out. Maybe they'll find some way. But uh, Easton runs out of this room. He's running really short on time at this point. He gets the last thing unlocked off his leg. He runs through this door. Okay, it's it's worth pointing out that you said he's running short on time. But he gets out of this and he still has like 15 minutes. It just takes him like 14 minutes to get to the next room. And I don't... I don't know what he does in that time. Yeah, does um, he just like jerk off? Like, does he? He is he like? I'm horny now. I have I was, to deal with this. I was wondering if that was it too. You never know. Yeah. I mean, people in stressful situations react in odd ways. That's so what I, I was thinking. I, I was like, him, you never know. Like, sometimes uh, you're hard and you have to deal with it. But like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like right now, really? <laughs> like. <laughs> I don't know. He does something for like 14 minutes that we're unsure of, but he, he races through this final door that he's supposed to get through with like one second left. Um, he's like, like exhausted. He's glad that he made it, whatever. Um, and then, um, this is where there's a very big reveal. He sees that on either side of him are these two cages that we've been introduced to before on the one side is the mother and the son and the other side is the reporter Pamela Jenkins. Um, Oof. And so it's assumed that he's um, that like, this is his wife and his son over on the left there. And that he's going to like rush over them and be like, are you okay? But instead he looks over to Pamela and he's like, Oh my God, like, are you all right? Because it turns out she's his sister, and she's the only family he has. So that when they actually said, like, you'll never see your family again, that was her they were talking about. And it's also revealed that she was the one he was talking to on the phone in the beginning, um, that it was his her birthday that he was missing. Um, So she's there basically as, you know, his family as like sort of collateral as in a sense. right incentive for him to keep going um but on the other hand the the family on the other side is actually the family of the man who died from heart disease see um we were shown a bit of a flashback here where after um after easton denies this man's coverage and the man tells him like you've basically just given me a death sentence he walks out into the waiting room and this mother and son are there because they're his family and they uh, like, he obviously died and they obviously have a bit of a grudge against Easton because of this. Right. So now we've been wondering why this whole time, the switch in their, um, their cage didn't work, but now we're finding out that the game, their game really begins here. Uh, there's a jigsaw tape for them in which um, uh, this is kind of interesting here. Jigsaw apologizes for keeping them in this cage. Yes. (laughs) I think it's kind of funny. He's like, my apologize. 
my apologies for keeping you in such circumstances, but I, I wanted, I knew that you were a crucial part of this test. Um, right. And it's like, wow, like Jigsaw's being a little considerate here. Like, what is this all about? I, he That's actually, not Jigsaw. Yeah. Well, yeah, he actually has some compassion for these people. I guess, understandably, because they're not here to be punished. They're here for a chance at revenge. Right. Jigsaw explains to them they have the chance to decide whether to seek revenge or to be merciful. That Easton has been through a series of trials in this night and he's presumably learned a bit more about the value of life and about what it means to choose between life and death. But on the other hand, he was responsible for the death of that guy's father and her husband. Um, So maybe he still deserves to die. And they're given this opportunity here. Um, Basically, if they flip the switch to die, all that hydrofluoric acid is going to go on to Easton and it's going to kill him. Oof. Uh, So the, the wife is all ready to do it. She's like, got her hand on the switch. Easton's begging her not to do it. Um, so is Pamela Jenkins. Yeah. Jenkins. She, she's, she's right there. Like she's begging for her brother's life. And, um, so the wife is like, I can't do it. Like I, I can't, I can't bring myself to do it. But then the son is like, I can't. <laughs> Okay, so, yeah, he, like, really goes for it. Because Roderick of Dire of of a Wimpy Kid said, (laughs) he says, fuck the 1%, Medicare for all, this man dies. Like, (laughs) and I think it's ridiculous. Eat the rich. Yeah, he's really, like, he takes no prisoners. Um... He just like jumps in and he's like, I'm going to kill this man right now. And he knows that he's going to kill this man via hydrofluoric acid. Like he knows it's not going to just be like, oh, this man's going to be like, I don't know, chopped in half or something. It's going to be really quick and sudden. He is very much aware that this man is going to be eaten alive by acid. And he does it anyway. Good for him. That's pretty metal. Yeah. It's very metal. It's extremely metal. That's a definition of metal. <laughs> so, yeah, as soon as he pulls this switch, um, this huge thing comes flying down from the ceiling in Easton's compartment. It's like this big bed of needles that jams itself into his body and, like, pins him up against the grate separating him from this family. <laughs> yeah. Like it's very surprising. You like we expected it to come down from like a sprinkler or something, but it said this big thing of needles comes down and that it starts pumping the hydrofluoric acid into him. And you can see him just like screaming and like burning up from the inside yeah. and like his flesh melting away. Eventually you see like his entire torso like separate like his legs fall off yep um yeah that is extremely gruesome 
and uh, it is very gross graphic gory all that i also wonder why he like what if he had been standing in another place you know um, <laughs> who knows yeah what if he had been standing against pamela jenkins gate like would anything have happened i don't think so it was the opposite side the like swing down of the syringes would have missed him so i guess so yeah yeah, you'd have to assume that he'd be over there because he'd be begging for his life. I know that's what Jigsaw did. He always said that, like he like he predicts human behavior, right? Like that's right. like a big part of that's this. Part of it. So, so it makes sense that he, you know, just sort of figured out what Easton would have done in this situation. Um, yeah, and uh, Easton is very much dead from this. Yeah, he gets completely split in half, so I think he's gone. We assume that the rest of them escape, I guess. There's not really any tests for them. And uh, so that's pretty much the end of the whole Easton plot line. That's the well, basics. Because yeah, he dies. <laughs> right. Um, so we've got a little more to fill in here. Basically, the whole Hoffman plot. So, meanwhile, while Easton's whole track is playing out, we've got Hoffman's story. Um, there's not a whole lot that happens with Hoffman here, but it is pretty essential to the overall plot of the franchise. So, we'll try to run through this pretty quickly. Right. Um, as we saw in the last installment, Hoffman is the new jigsaw basically and right. at the end of saw five he tricks agent strom into getting crushed to death in this trap that's uh pretty similar to the garbage compactors from star wars basically right um so in this one we see at the very beginning him walking out of this trap um he gets out of the like this glass coffin that he was in sort of like moves over to a different room where he can get out of it. Um, and you see that his back actually is kind of cut up and bloody a bit. So we know that, Hey, like there was actually some pain involved in this trap. Mm -hmm. it, it's a, it's at least a little more deadly than we so thought initially, but still obviously right. Not that bad. He walks away pretty easily. Right. Um, then he walks back to the the original trap room, and we can see the walls come apart. And <laughs> oh my god, Strom's body falling down from the <laughs> ceiling is just like the most disgusting, absurd thing. Yes, ever. it's just like this heap of clothing and blood. It's Ooh. like there's, there's just no no human form recognizable in this. <laughs> it's really gruesome um so there's that yes um then basically um we find out that the um the FBI is still looking into this whole jigsaw case they are right. still suspicious that um you know, there's there's someone else who's carrying on after Jigsaw. There was another apprentice. 
And obviously, uh, Hoffman put forward the theory that it was Strom and he planted some evidence to make it seem that way. But they're starting to have their doubts about that. The first clue right. they come across is that um, the the little jigsaw pieces that uh, Jigsaw likes to cut out of his victims to uh, represent the piece they were missing, uh, they don't all quite match up. Right. So usually um, they were cut out with like a scalpel, with like a surgical precision to it. Um, but the more recent ones and uh, the more recent ones have been cut with like a serrated blade and are thus right. a little more rough. And the only one that from the early murders that they can find that was cut with that same knife was the Seth Baxter murder, who was the abusive boyfriend that Hoffman murdered when he was trying to make it look like it was Jigsaw. Mm-hmm. So there's like there's an interesting little metaphor here is that um like Hoffman is like the more rough um sort of brute force version of Jigsaw whereas John Kramer is like the surgical elegant uh neat and precise version of Jigsaw that right. they they both have a different knife that represents them somewhat um but this is definitely a clue that they're looking at being like, this is kind of suspicious. Why was this knife only used on the guy who killed your sister? And then all mm-hmm. these recent ones. Uh, another thing that they're looking at. So, well, so this leads them to look into the Seth Baxter murder a little more closely. And they yeah. start, they start looking at the tape from that scene and they're yes. trying to decipher the voice that's on that tape. Which is like a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. That that sort of plays out throughout a bit of the movie. You see, like, they're like, oh, we're still trying to decipher that voice, yada, yada. Meanwhile, uh, Jill Tuck, who <laughs> we saw in the last one, was given, like, a box from yes. her husband in his will. Uh, we get to see what's actually in this box here. She's okay. Got, um, she's got five envelopes in here. Right. That are supposedly um, for another test, another trap. Yeah. These are like going to be people who are going to go in this trap. Uh, and Hoffman uh, finds out about this box. He is like basically forces Jill to give him the envelopes. He says, like, mm-hmm. he's taking over now. He he's got um he's got control of the whole jigsaw thing. And Jill's right. like, that's that's not what John wanted. And he said, Well, like, I'm in control now. So he takes the envelopes, he goes off to run this trap, which is presumably the um the whole William Easton series of traps. So that's right. how that whole bit ties in. Then um <laughs> the uh the incident at the police station mm-hmm. this this is kind of a fun one so um while hoffman's in the middle middle of monitoring this whole william easton thing this is about halfway through the movie yeah um he gets called into the police station they basically tell him like there are some discrepancies with um 
some of the things that were found, um, some of the clues that they found that implicated Strom. So um, at the last scene they were investigating, they found fingerprints of Strom on like the eyelids of the victims. Oh. They realized here that there was a large amount of Freon found on the fingerprints, mm-hmm. which would, um, which is not a substance that is currently being manufactured. Apparently, um, <laughs> I didn't know that, but apparently it is. And so they're like, so we'd have to find out how how this substance got on here, like wh- where it came from, what what's Strom doing with this substance on here, <laughs> and then. In the meantime, they get a call that like they're on the verge of cracking this tape. I don't know why they called them before they figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that weird? Like that like, is oh, really weird. We're about to figure it out. Um, like why bother? So they have to go off site to this other lab, I guess. And this lab is really funny. Cause yeah, it's like it's like a specialized audio lab, and the the woman like working at it has like a keyboard in front of her that she's <laughs> playing around, like oh. a piano keyboard that she's yes. playing with. Yeah, to yeah. Code the message. Yeah, <laughs> like is good. this how they do it? I'm pretty like I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I'm like I'm th- looking at this. I'm like, you know what? There, she's audio editing. Um, this seems very familiar to me. Yeah. So, um, you know, for my, my audio editing work here. So, you know, I'm a fan. I support her. I'm not a big fan yeah. of what happens to her next. No. <laughs> uh, so, like, this scene, I think, is really cool, actually. Like, I mean, there's some weird parts of it, but I think the way it builds up is really interesting. Because, uh, so she's running the voice through like all these different filters trying to figure out what it actually sounds like. Yeah. And so you're hearing this jigsaw voice saying right now you are feeling helpless. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's got like the typical jigsaw voice. Oh my God. What? I forgot to mention we've, <laughs> There's a big revelation in this movie that we forgot to cover. Agent Perez is still alive. Oh, no! <laughs> Agent Perez is still alive. So we find that Agent out. Agent Perez is definitely still alive. We find that out at the beginning of the movie. And, like, the excuse given for it is so hilarious. Like, she just shows up at one of the crime scenes. And Hoffman is, like, really confused. He's like... What she's still here? He's like, yeah, like we had to, we had to hide the, the fact that she was still alive because we weren't sure who we could trust. Yeah, like, because the idea that Jigsaw is going to come after her—that's ridiculous, <laughs> basically. But also the fact that like they would have hidden the fact that she was alive, but then she's just here investigating this crime scene, <laughs> right? Like, all right, we've suddenly decided we don't care anymore, <laughs> right? Like, so yeah, so she's here. <laughs> oh. That's a pretty big change. So she's here at this scene. She's here along with uh Mark Ralston. Um who's Mark Ralston in this? Agent um mm, Agent Erickson. Yes. Um so like the two of them are there with Hoffman 
and then the um the sound forensics lady right. and they're the all sound forensics the sound lady. forensics lady um so while she's trying to decode this tape like they're bringing up all these discrepancies so like you know like funny thing when they looked at the the oils on the fingerprints left by agent strom they found out the individual who left the fingerprints did not have an active metabolism what which which apparently which means that strom left these fingerprints when he was already dead yep yep pretty much (laughs) and so apparently um the, the Hoffman has been planting these fingerprints with his, a hand that he saved from Strom's body. That he's been keeping in a freezer. Just yeah. like, like, it's like a cooler, like you would take to a tailgate. <laughs> nice tailgate. Yeah. Um, and basically, yeah. So they keep, they're bringing up all these discrepancies and stuff. Basically, sort of revealing like they're kind of on to Hoffman here. They're sort of right. figuring stuff out, and then like right as they're building up to it, uh, the they finally un- decode the tape, and you just hear Hoffman's voice saying, "Right now, you are feeling helpless." And <laughs> Hoffman just goes berserk. At this yes, point. he he slices Erickson's neck with a scalpel. He yeah. like he pours uh he pours hot coffee in Perez's face. Yep. And then yeah. like she tries to attack him by shooting him and he pulls the forensic technician in front of him so she shoots him her. Um and then he stabs Perez to death. Oof. And he's like, "Who else knows about me?" <laughs> like everyone. He's like, "Bullshit." Literally everyone. And then he just sets the entire place on fire. <laughs> Ooh. So that's a really crazy scene. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Kind of interesting. But I'm like, how? what on earth is the fallout of all this? Like, you have to assume that at this point, everyone's going to figure out that Hoffman was responsible for this. Even if he burned yeah. the whole thing down, he's still trying to plant like on his way out. He's still trying to plant fingerprints from Strom. Cause I guess right. he brought the hand with him <laughs> to this whole thing. Yeah. He's just like, he's got this hand in his pocket the whole time while he's talking to the other cops. Yeah. What is he doing? Just like holding on to this hand at all times. Like, it doesn't it's make pretty, any sense. It's pretty gross. Um, so, yeah. There's that whole scene. Um, there's also some fun scenes showing um, a little more backstory of Hoffman and Jigsaw and Amanda Young this time around, too. Um, we get to see them preparing for the the rack trap from Saw 3. Um, and this, this is like a weird movie. You sort of, you described this earlier as like sort of a buddy cop moment between the three of them. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, it's, it's very, a very strange interaction. Um, it is, it's really uncomfortable. (laughs) Hoffman's basically trying to make his own adjustments 
to the rack. Yeah. And then like Amanda Young is wheeling Kramer by and he's like, you know, if you change the gear ratio, you also have to change the grease that you use. <laughs> and Amanda's like, maybe you better stick to the heavy lifting. <laughs> So there's clearly some sort of like rivalry between him and Amanda. They don't get along right. very well. Yes. That's what's yes. basically established here. What's also established is that Hoffman has a lot of disregard for the people that they're putting through these traps. Uh, Cause he like just sort of throws Timothy Young's body on the floor out of this wheelbarrow. He's got him in. And right. Kramer's like, that's a human being you've got there. Yes. He's like, so what? Yeah. So he clearly doesn't, think much of these people as human beings he he wants them to suffer he's like i want them to suffer don't you isn't that what you want um so we get a bit of that dynamic there we also find out here though that uh jill tuck was a little more involved in all this than she let on earlier yeah yeah because she's in this scene too she just sort of shows up at the uh the abandoned slaughterhouse yeah yeah she just sort of runs into them and is like oh like are you setting up for something else yeah she just like she walks in and she's like don't do this and it's like but you know where it's going on like you could stop this there's a clear solution here call the police call anyone and she doesn't do it no yeah so um she's a little more involved in this than she wants people to believe Uh uh-huh um so yeah that there's those uh flashbacks oh but one thing so it's revealed that what got jill to sort of because we saw earlier that um that kramer sort of sent her away what got her back like somewhat involved with him was that he showed up at her clinic and showed Amanda to her as like proof that his methods worked. Oof. Yeah. Like that's real. Yeah. He's like, look at this, Amanda, like you knew her as an addict, but now she's cured. It's like, okay, what are you like pitching? This as like a legitimate therapy or something. Right. That's ridiculous. Second of all, Amanda is not okay. No. <laughs> she is very much not fine at all. Not at all. Not even a little bit. So, yeah, that's not good. Um, another bit of flashback we get is that we see that uh, we finally find out what was in that letter that oh, yes. a, a Hoffman left for Amanda that right. caused her to like basically break down in tears uh in saw three yeah and so basically hoffman says in this letter like i know amanda that you were there on the night that john's son died basically she was there with cecil and she was the one who was encouraging him and helping him to like break into the clinic to try to get some drugs and um as a result of her encouraging him um that whole horrible incident happened where she got smacked with the door and miss uh where um jill got smacked with the door and the miscarried 
So right. basically, Amanda is partially responsible for John's son being dead. So Oof. he basically reveals, like, I know all this. You know this would upset John beyond belief. So mm-hmm. if you don't want me to tell him, you have to kill Lynn Denlin. So this sort of explains why in Saw 3, she looks like so remorseful as she's about to shoot Lynn. Like she looks like she doesn't really want to do it, but she does it anyway. Um, that sort of explains that whole scene. Just very interesting. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they like had any idea at the time, because that was three movies ago at this point. Right. Um. So yeah, we get that whole bit of backstory. Um, that, that's really all the big stuff that happens with Hoffman up until the very end. Pretty much. Yeah. So then at the very end, so Hoffman, after the whole incident at like with him burning down the forensics lab and whatever, um, Hoffman comes back to the abandoned zoo to like oversee the final stages of the trap for Easton. And he finds this thing on his keyboard and it's a copy of the letter he'd written to Amanda. So this is where we get the flashback there of him leaving the letter for Amanda, then Amanda shooting Lynn and all that. And as he's sitting here in his chair, he suddenly gets electrocuted by the chair. Uh, Apparently Jill has rigged this thing up to his chair, which will electrocute him through the chair. (laughs) I think is pretty crazy. Um, It apparently shocks him badly enough that he passes out and Jill restrains him with these leather straps in the chair (laughs) um, and then puts an upgraded version of the um, reverse bear trap on his head. And it's revealed that this is one final item that was in the box that John had left her in this will. And so, and when Hoffman wakes up, she reveals that there was a sixth envelope in that box as well. And this one had Hoffman's picture in it because Mm -hmm. it was his turn to be tested as well. And... I'm not really sh- so Jill leaves and obviously he's got like the timer he has to break out of the reverse bear trap. I'm not really sure what his test is supposed to be here again. No. It's sort of like the um like the the water cube trap for Strom where it's like this is just a sophisticated mode of execution. Right. Like it's not clear that he's really supposed to have any way to break out of this as it is. He actually does find a way to get out. He basically, um, it's sort of a combo Matthews straw method of getting (laughs) out of here. First of all, he breaks his own wrist and his hand by smashing the bear trap down into his hand which looks really rough. Yes. <laughs> like it's it's a bat like the bone is sticking out and everything. This is a bad break. Um so he smashes his hand to pieces. Mhm. Pulls it out through the strap. Um 
uses that to unstrap himself from the chair. So now he's out of the chair, at least. He's still got this trap on his head. So what's he going to do? He ends up smashing his face through the glass of the door. Like there's like a glass window. Yeah. He smashes his face through. And it also has bars on it. And so like the the mouth part of the trap goes through the bars and then it like when the timer ends it tries to open up but it gets stopped by the bars. Yes. So somehow like he's saved in this way. It doesn't split his head open, but it does when he manages to pull his face out of this, it does somehow like rip his cheek entirely open. Oof. It's really bad. Like you can see like his mouth is like twice as big now. <laughs> it's really bad. Um, and he just like sort of falls to his knees and screams. And that's the end of the movie there. This also plays out at the same time as the whole uh, hydrofluoric acid trap. So we get lots of mm-hmm. cutting between there and also lots of you know, typical jigsaw montage at the end of a movie where it's like flashing between other stuff that people have said and other bits of the movies. But yeah. Um, so Hoffman escapes yet again. Mm-hmm. One more time. He's pretty badly maimed at this point. Um, yeah. Hoffman is uh, is quite the fighter. And uh, so a very dramatic end to yes. Saw 6 here. Certainly. Yes. Anything else in particular you wanted to focus on from Saw 6? No, uh, not that we, I can think of. I think we really... I think we it. hit it all, yeah. Oh, there's one There's one more scene just to briefly cover, um, which okay. is the one where Hoffman shows up at the hospital that Simone is in after she chops off her arm (laughs) Um, and he's doing his typical thing where he's like, you know, he's, he's playing the detective. He's acting like he's trying to find out more, but really he's like also playing jigsaw. He's trying to find out if his traps were any good. Mm -hmm. So he's asking her like, did you learn your lesson basically? And she's like, look at my goddamn arm. What what the (laughs) fuck am I supposed to learn from this? And she's got like this stump arm. She's waving at him. It's like, she's like screaming and everyone else is like looking over like what the, what, what is Hoffman doing? It's like that, not exactly keeping a low profile here, Hoffman. Okay. (laughs) That's, yeah, that's great. Hoffman, mm. I mean, Hoffman is kind of fun. I, I when I initially watched these movies, I usually, like, just hated him because he's such, like, a, he's such a lug. He's not, and he just sort of, like, forces his way through a lot of these situations by just, like, killing people and doing shit that he's not really supposed to under the jigsaw rules. <laughs> but... I mean, he is kind of clever at times. So right. you get he. It took some quick thinking to get out of that whole forensics lab situation, and to escape from the bear trap. So, mm. all right, we'll see what Hoffman does in episode seven. We will. 
See if he survives yet again. Mm, yes. So, with that, we wrap up the healthcare saw. Healthcare saw. It's a good one. It's it still is. like I I very much enjoyed watching this one. It's uh, a great saw movie. It's always fun, and it's it's refreshing to see a movie this late in the franchise that still has a bit of life in it. Absolutely, you know, yeah. Still keeping things interesting. All right, yeah. Traps were a lot of fun, especially. There's like, so I, much fun. This whole thing. Fun. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. This whole thing was so great. I definitely recommend people to see this one. Um, if you're, you know, turned off by the later installments of the Saw franchise, I know that the the quality level can be kind of mixed at times, but this is one of the good ones. Definitely. This is honestly easily worth checking out. Um, so, uh, other than that, um, I, we've been, have you been to any movies recently? I mean, I saw Pet Cemetery. We talked about that last Pet week. Cemetery. Saw it. Yeah. Um, that's good. I was not a fan. You liked it. I did not. Um, oh, really? Yeah. I really did not like it at all. Um, uh, yeah, like very negative, heavily negative. Wow. Um, interesting um otherwise not a whole lot i'm seeing hellboy tomorrow um, oh nice yeah, yeah that'll be fun um i really liked hellboy i mean i don't think it was like high quality but it was it was a lot of fun the i was gonna say was that's cool, all yeah. i'm expecting from it it's just like a lot of fun so i'm not going in with like super high expectations um, what do you see in it like what's up uh, like four thirty. It's like four. Oh, okay. I was gonna say it's a good thing to see late and like probably drunk, but I'll have it, I'll have had fine. some drinks beforehand at I mean, four thirty. But I yeah. saw it at like seven, so I wasn't. Yeah, I just can't. I can't do that. I have to work the next. I was day just like, this like, would yeah. be nice if I was drunk right now. <laughs> yeah, it's a wild one. Um, I feel that. That was fun. I saw uh, Missing Link this weekend. No, oh, yeah, I need to see that. That was really good. It was cute. Uh, it was, it's from Leica, so it's great stop motion animation. It's really funny. Um, okay. And yeah, I just, I think it's being overlooked quite a bit. Like it's right. not making a lot of money at the box office, but I highly recommend people go to see this and it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a crowd pleaser. It's a family movie. I'm pretty sure it's rated G, um, or at least PG, but, um, Wow, G? What's rated G anymore outside of like Pixar movies? Pretty much just animated kids' movies. Um, the kids who were in the audience for this were loving it. So if you got kids, okay, this is something to take a look at. Okay, I'm into it. For everyone, it's quality. I don't Um, have kids, but I'm here. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, other than that, um, we've got Avengers Endgame coming out couple days that's the big thing that's the big movie it's soon gonna be just absolutely dominating the box office i'm sure we're gonna talk about that soon i'm sure we will yeah i'm gonna be seeing it thursday night so Uh, lucky you i will not be so yeah but i'll probably be seeing it by the next time we record so oh yeah we'll we'll have some words we'll definitely we'll we'll get a full avengers episode in there soon right um Probably not the next episode, but maybe in a couple. Anyway, um, you know, until 
next time, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Buzzed On Movies. Yes. Um, reach out to us if you want. Uh, we can also be reached by email, buzzedonmovies at gmail.com. Crazy. You can find us on all the major streaming platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, Google Podcasts. And um, if you like what we're doing, uh, maybe subscribe and give us a review. We always like to hear feedback. And uh, we're open to suggestions if you like to hear something other than Saw. <laughs> so, what? Other uh, than Saw? Are there movies other than Saw? I don't think no, so. No, this is it. This, this is, is it. it. This is These are the movies. Um, but until next time, we'll see you at the movies. We will see you at the movies.